Hey fans, before we get going, just wanted to send out a reminder that you can head to anchor.fm slash Wolverine Sounds, where you can choose to support this podcast, or you can send us voice messages. We certainly appreciate either, so head over to anchor.fm slash Wolverine Sounds. Please show us some love. Now let's get on to the show. Welcome to episode 95 of the Go Blue Crew. Derek, um, do you want the good news or the bad news? Let's go with the bad. The bad news is Michigan still has 10 games left in the regular season. Okay. The (laughs) The good news is one of them isn't this week. It's a bye week. There's no stress. You can just sit back and watch college football and not have to worry about Michigan ruining your week. So I know that's a little morbid, but I mean, you watch these first two weeks just like I did. And I got to say, I'm a little relieved that there's no game this week. Yeah, uh, I haven't thought about it that way too much. But now that you say that, I am too. Um, I just feel like... So if you kind of rewind a little bit, we had talked about Middle Tennessee State almost being like a tune-up, a preseason game. There were some things in that game that you didn't love, including offensive production at times, uh, but they end up running away with it, allowing a score late. It was actually a bigger margin than than the the score leads you to believe. Uh, Kind of go into Michigan Army. Maybe being a little bit too confident, mostly because of the fact that we assumed that they'd improve upon uh, the first week of football. Uh, it seemed to have looked worse. Now they played a much tougher opponent, and I'll be the first to say that I was shocked at the the skill level of Army. Uh, you've always heard, even uh, last season when you knew that they'd be on the schedule, that uh, this is a team that is dangerous to play because of the type of offense they run. They took Oklahoma to the wire last year, which I'm sure we'll discuss. Um, and I, I just thought that it, Michigan would pull away at some point. And, I mean, the reality is is they really got lucky uh, over the weekend. Uh, victory is a victory. But, yeah, they could use a weekend off, and I'm glad the schedule worked out the way it does this year. Yeah, a 24-21 double overtime win. You want a sense of how good or, or I guess, frustrating Army is. So, Shea Patterson was obviously the leading passer for Michigan in both games. 203 yards against Middle Tennessee State, 207 against Army. Not much of a difference. Yep. Zach Charbonnet, the leading rusher in both games. 90 against Middle Tennessee State, 100 against Army. A 10-yard difference. Uh, Tariq Black had 80 yards against Middle Tennessee State. Ronnie Bell at 81 against Army. Almost identical. But somehow this one just looked like so much more of a struggle. 24 mm-hmm. points compared to 40 because I didn't get the ball very much. Because Army's offense will just do that to you. We talked about this last week. It's like the worst case scenario where Michigan is um, loose with the ball, just kind of sloppy and... Well, in a game that where you're already going to have limited possessions, you're suddenly giving up three of them. That was exactly what we feared. That's exactly what happened. And I know I'm not alone when I say that. I just feel 
extremely lucky that Michigan is 2-0 and and not 1-1 and because that whole game basically it felt like Michigan was not going to win, especially at the end. You know, it just felt like this is one of those games that Michigan loses, absolutely. And the fact that they won it, it just seems kind of crazy. It seems like it shouldn't have happened. Well, if you go back to week one, I want to say it was Nevada that beat Purdue on the 56 or whatever yard field goal. It was, goal. yeah, it was Nevada. Uh, walk-on kicker. And so this whole time, it felt like a game Michigan was going to lose. It's probably a game they should have lost. And you have this scenario where, you know, Army can kick a, a game-winning field goal, a guy who's never attempted a, a college kick. It just felt like, I mean, this is just perfect for the story and the historic upset of Army beating Michigan, like all the pieces were aligning to be just like this great upset. And luckily that wasn't the case. And so I'm with you exactly like it, this couldn't come at a better time. And Michigan is extremely lucky to uh, be 2-0. Uh, if you want to compare it to uh, when Oklahoma beat Army in, in overtime, um, they were, uh, I think, that was 4-0 after that. Um, so it was, again, earlier in the season. Uh, and Army went on to win every game after that until just losing to Michigan now. So this, again, this is a really good football team. Uh, it's a team that is scary because, again, that offense that they that they have. And, and they're terribly efficient. And, and on defense, they play really tough. They played really well. And when Michigan just continues to make mistake after state mistake, um, luckily, they forced Army to make mistakes. That helped them out, too. You can't say that Michigan didn't do something good. Um, but to um, turn the ball over like they did, I mean, three lost fumbles. I think, what, they're at five or six total already for the season after three total last year. I mean, that's just ridiculous. And you cannot beat any team even a little bit better than Army. And you're lucky you even beat Army if you're going to continue to play that way. And we won't go into too much of, of Wisconsin because it's a bye week and, and we can get into that next week. But just uh, for now, like Wisconsin is a really good team, by far the best Michigan will have played to this point. And it's just going to be a, a, a long waiting period as happy as we are, you know, to, to not have to stress over Michigan football this weekend. You wonder like if Michigan even improves a little bit, let's say they lose one fumble you know, or Shea Patterson, he hasn't thrown an interception yet. Let's say he throws an interception or, you know, there's uh, no good execution on a fourth and two. I mean, Wisconsin is a team that you absolutely will lose to if you if you do that kind of stuff. We thought Army would be that team and they darn near were, but Wisconsin would definitely be that team. And so <laughs> I guess... Um, I guess as, as happy as I am that, that there's uh, nothing to worry about this weekend. At the same time, I'm looking ahead at two weeks from now and thinking like, oh my gosh, what if things don't get much better? What if they stay the same? Like that's going to be a disaster. Yeah, and like you said, we'll talk maybe more specifics about Michigan and Wisconsin next week and in the next episode. But the, I mean, no matter what, you have to see improvement really in, in all phases. Uh, the, the first weekend you had Levert Hill um, muff a punt uh, turnover, and uh, he could have had a, a pick six. He made up for it, and what was probably a game-saving uh, play, at least a, a, game, a part of a game-saving series uh, when he had the interception. 
um, deep into Michigan's own territory there. And so I feel like you can have some special teams improvements. Uh, you had uh, Oz Jackson who returned an incredible uh, kick return, gets called back. I mean, just simple, simple mistakes uh, on in all phases of, of football right now. And I think if you can limit the sloppiness in terms of the turnovers and the penalties uh, and not give up big plays, find a way to hone in uh, on Wisconsin and, and, and beat them. I mean, geez, it just seems impossible with what we've seen. And so the sad thing about not having a game this weekend or at least having another tune-up like game, as we like to call them, is you have no clue what's going to happen when they play on the field next. You can only assume that, hey, this could go really bad because of how sloppy they've been. Or somehow in this off week, they've gotten things to click and now they're willing and and able to prove it on the field. And so, I mean, you just look at Jonathan Taylor and you think, how are they going to stop the best running back in the nation if they can't stop Army's quarterback? And again, the schemes are going to look a little different, but you've got to see improvements everywhere. And I guess where I'm most nervous and where everybody is probably most nervous is this new look offense. Now, Michigan's defense did hold Army, I want to say, to their lowest yards per carry total yep. in years. So that's a that's a very positive thing. Without that, you know, who knows where that game would have been. But the other thing we need to talk about here with, with Army Michigan is Shea Patterson. He's it, it doesn't look like he's one hundred percent healthy based on what Josh Gaddis has said and, and based on just what we've seen on the field. Because if he was totally healthy, you would have to think multiple times against Army, he's pulling the ball and running. There were so many opportunities, it looked like, where the defensive end or the linebacker, whoever they're reading on that particular play, uh, crashes on the running back. And Patterson handed it off every time. I think his only designed run was uh, a little like... um, a little power to the to the left where it was like a little misdirection everybody was going right he went left and that's where he looked like he got he had a little cramp or something but that he didn't pull the ball any in that game really surprised me and it left no doubt in my mind that he's just not totally healthy because we've seen it in the past where he he pulls the ball he makes a good read and he's obviously an athletic quarterback so why he didn't do that this week if 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 he was totally healthy i don't think any of us can say because i'm not gonna buy that he just made the wrong read every time in that situation well it's confusing because he did more of it the weekend before uh you saw mccaffrey in there more uh and when you did finally see dylan mccaffrey in there it came at the worst time and in the worst fashion Uh, and i feel like whether he just simply misreads or didn't have the confidence enough to, to take the ball himself or wasn't feeling healthy enough to, to scamper out there and, and, and get hit. I mean, no matter what it is, there's just such an obvious difference of week one to week two. And when you can't make those plays, um, whether it's from a play calling standpoint or Shea Patterson's execution, if you can't do that and execute against army where there seemed to be some obvious should have kept the ball here situations. How are you going to do that as the competition gets tougher? I mean, everybody knows nationwide 
how much pressure is on Michigan and Jim Harbaugh this season. And most of those people also know how difficult and brutal the schedule is this season with all of the ranked teams, even if you've got some pretty um, um, of pretty big matchups at home, at least in favor. I mean, you've got Penn State and Wisconsin on the road, but you host Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Ohio State. Regardless, you play five extremely talented good teams, and then you're in a league where it seems like other teams are getting better as well. So for me, if he can't make the plays against Army when he really needed to make the plays in a game where Michigan was struggling, when is he going to make the plays? And if health's a factor, then why are you risking uh, his health um, by, by keeping him out there. I mean, you have to run the offense the way that the offense is, is meant to be run. And I can almost guarantee that the offense is only going to be more successful if the quarterback running the ball is, is an element that's included. And without seeing that this weekend, that's really concerning because you have no way to prove that um, that's going to actually happen, which is one of the things that we were supposed to look forward to. Were you surprised that um, Dylan McCaffrey didn't get more chances? Yes and no. Uh, yes, because I figured that no matter what, it, it kind of like you, you heard a lot. Uh, Joe Klatt said a lot about like, you know, statistics and, um, and analytics and looking into things. And that was his favorite of, word of yeah, the day, analytics. Going yeah. by the book. And I felt like in some sense, like it seems like every team's going to do that. Um, Jim Harbaugh and, and company and Josh Gaddis, whoever made that decision to go for it on fourth when they could have kicked the, the field goal, which really could have changed the outcome of the game. Um, that was a, kind of like the by the books, like, you know, that was our best probability there. Like, that's why we did that. So I thought they would have gone into this weekend with the same game plan of we're going to put McCaffrey out there no matter what it looks like, just because we want to perfect whatever we have going on. We talked about seeing both quarterbacks out there. We were for sure we'd see both quarterbacks out there at some point. And not only did we not see him out at the same time, we only saw McCaffrey for what I believe was one play. Uh, And I know that the situation was different. They were down and things were looking really bad. But for me, that's more of a reason to let him have a series. If you get to a point where you're not scoring and Shea Harrison's not either reading correctly or deciding not to run or the offense just isn't geared towards that in that possession. Like I think we all would have loved to see McCaffrey um, get out there and, and try to, it seems like he's better uh, as a, a natural athlete and a runner. And so why we didn't see that is probably honestly the most concerning thing for me. And I saw a couple of things on Twitter. Can't remember who said it because it was uh, during a busy timeline during a game, but kind of along the idea of, I hope that the only reason he's not out or the reason he's not out there is, is because they don't want to hear uh, from the fans or ever. I mean, when Shea Patterson went back out a couple of possessions, it was nothing but boos. Uh, when Dylan McCaffrey came out for a play, it was nothing but cheers. And so are they trying to purposely avoid uh, a quarterback battle? I, I don't know, but it seems like we would have seen him at least for one possession. And I, I wonder too, if, Michigan was expecting this to be a little more comfortable where you can work into quarterbacks and, and test some things. Michigan never had an opportunity to test anything against army because the margin of error was so small. And I thought you saw that in the play calling. It was pretty conservative, you know, especially following that game against middle Tennessee state where like, it seems like they just emptied the playbook and called everything once, you know, I just don't go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I, I was just wrapping up my, my thought. I, I had nothing else to say. I'm really frustrated. I'm going to tell you why. 
here's here's my biggest frustration is you spent the off season, Jim Harbaugh specifically, and a little bit of Josh Gaddis as well, talking about being able to play two quarterbacks, redefining the role of a starting quarterback. If you cannot be confident enough to put your second quarterback in there in this game, even in a close game against a challenging Army team, then how are you ever going to do it in the future? If this works and they have something figured out here, they shouldn't have to do some trial and error or or try new things in a game that's supposed to be closer. That's not ever going to work. Like if you can't do it against Army, then why are we ever to believe that we're going to see Dylan McCaffrey against Wisconsin? And then for the play calling, I'm frustrated because I feel like this is the same thing that we've seen. Like we have this new look offense, this speed and space. Josh Gad is going to come in and save everything, which is always going to be unrealistic, especially in year one and in weeks one and two. But if already when you have to um, find a way to win a ball game and for possession after possession in a game where you have limited possessions, you are unable to execute. That is startling. And I literally, if anything, lost so much confidence for the team moving forward just because of their inability to execute or even seem to have a game plan that worked. Yeah, we, so we do have a few minutes left. And I think we should spend it like looking at the rest of the season and kind of reevaluating how we feel. Just looking at the schedule here at Penn State versus Notre Dame at Maryland versus Michigan State, that's one, two, three, four games in a row against quality opponents. I know a lot of people probably are, are like, wait, Maryland, what? Uh, Maryland's ripped off two very good wins, and they've looked pretty good doing it. They're up to number 21 in the, the AP poll. Mm-hmm. And, and after Michigan State, there's at Indiana. Indiana's 2-0, and that offense looks really good. Indiana's always that, that trap game that we look at. Just a brutal, brutal stretch. And, and they've got a few games in between there. But if, if somehow we get to this point in the, in the schedule and Michigan like still isn't impressive, but they're somehow winning, you know, I think at that point, even, even as a somehow undefeated team, we would just be like, no, nah, there's no way. I mean, they're going to they're going to trip and fall through this, this stretch. And then after Indiana, of course, Ohio state. So it's, it's, it's really dampened my, my outlook on the season. It's really made me wonder, like, is this actually a a team that can compete for a conference championship or is it another eight, nine win team where we think, yeah, they, they did all right. Some missed opportunities. It was so, so team. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to say after two games that's where I'm leaning because I think it's still too early to make a dramatic shift like that. But I'm certainly not as confident as I used to be. I still think that talent-wise, Michigan's a better team than Wisconsin. They haven't looked good. Wisconsin has looked good in a lot of ways, especially, again, Jonathan Taylor. Anytime you have a, um, a you know, a, a, literally a um, college football leading back, uh, you have to worry about how Michigan's going to handle. But if you eliminate their biggest weapon, even at least slow the biggest weapon down, you have uh, a great chance to win a football game. I am confident that we're going to see a better offensive output. It's just hard, like you said, with what we've seen and seeing the schedule coming up. 
Because it can only be better. I mean, it has to be really good. You can have a better offensive output, find a way to slow down Jonathan Taylor and beat Wisconsin. We'll talk about that next week. But is it going to be good enough week after week after week to continue to win these uh, matchups against great teams? And at the end of the, the season, when you always have to play Ohio State, I mean, I've seen nothing that leads me to believe that Michigan would beat Ohio State, and I don't think anybody has unless they're just completely biased or not watching the same football team. And so I think we'll see improvements. You've got to hope that this week off is good for them and they revisit some things. I think that there's probably some some awkwardness still between uh, Gaddis and Harbaugh. Harbaugh said he uh, called a near-perfect game in week one. You didn't hear any comments like that in week two. Uh, and so what, what they can do to, to fix things before Wisconsin, I guess, will – find out but i'm guessing we'll see mostly positive things but sometimes mostly positive things doesn't necessarily mean uh, a lot of victories so i guess we'll have to take it one week at a time you know i know rankings aren't um like a perfect um um, math or a perfect formula to to tell you what teams are are really doing well but it's worth mentioning that uh, seven of the last 10 games here are against ranked teams right now that includes iowa and maryland that's daunting i mean i look at that i see the numbers and i'm like oh my gosh every week basically it's gonna be like a time for a a chance to really prove your worth in the in the big 10 and in the big 10 east specifically so you know we got a lot of season left but i'm looking at that and I'm looking at the way Michigan played the, to become 2-0, and and I'm like, uh, these things aren't meshing well. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> but but it's gonna be yeah, a, there's a it's bye. It's going to be a season. We keep going back to the bye. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a season. And uh, what, what that season looks like, uh, I'm not sure. But hopefully, again, we just see something. Like, I would love to – you know, we'll be positive next week. We'll be like, yeah, here's how Michigan beats Wisconsin, blah, blah, blah. But I would love to be able to come back after Wisconsin and say, wow, like, you know what? Like, Michigan really looked good, and you you at least saw a glimpse of the team they are trying to be for a full game. Uh, and so if you don't see that at that point, then, yeah, I think our podcast takes a little bit different of a tone, and, you know, episode 100 just might not be as fun. <laughs> We'll go from 99 to 101. That's fine with me if we have to. (laughs) So thanks for checking us out on the Go Blue crew. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Ty underscore Fenwick. Derek is at Divine Identity. Thanks for listening. Go Blue. Go Blue.